And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. It's the Brussels Insider Radio Show. Today, as our topic, our special field trip to Brussels. Plus, we welcome our special guest Johannes Kreubel from Germany. And now, live on tape from Leuven in Belgium. And I gotta say, we are living it here. It's Savri Khalil. Thanks, Roma. Thanks for being here, everybody. Welcome, one and all, to the Brussels Insider Radio Show, where we bring out the U in EU. I'm one of your hosts, Sabri Khalil, and I'm pleased to be here with you today, wherever you are in this big, great old continent that many of us call home. This is the second episode of a six-episode-long series called the Brussels Insider Radio Show, brought to you by a small group of us students here at the School of Politics and International Relations of University College Dublin. In this series, we'd like to take you, the random citizen, on a journey to the heart of the EU, giving you a better understanding of what the EU is and does and what it truly means to be European. We have a fun-filled program for you as we take you behind the scenes of the EU's institutions in Brussels, with discussions on our current trip to our union's capital, interviews with experts and people working directly and indirectly with the EU's institutions, with a quiz at the end of every show. We have a wonderful show for you today as we'll be welcoming a very special guest. Uh, we'll be interviewing uh, him here in the city of fries and waffles, in other words, uh, Brussels. He's a policy analyst working here in Brussels at the European Policy Center and we're very excited to be interviewing him today as we discuss the concept of the EU bubble. In the meantime, just sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Thanks, Sabri. As you have all heard, I'm here to start with our interview of the day. Now, today we have the pleasure of interviewing our special guest of the day, joining us live from the EU quarter. This person used to be a lecturer and is currently working at the Brussels-based think tank, the European Policy Centre. Please welcome Johannes Gröbel. Thanks for meeting us uh, today, Johannes, uh, for squeezing us within uh, your pretty tight schedule, I'd say, um, for this chat. Well, first of all, how are you doing? It's a pleasure to, to see you again. Thanks, um, Sabri. And um, yeah, it's a pleasure to, to talk to you. Thanks for having me. So, Johannes, we have heard a lot about this Brussels bubble. Is the Brussels bubble a myth or a reality? Thanks. Um, it's, it's definitely a thing. Um, there is certainly this um, ecosystem of, of the Brussels bubble, this um, parallel world in Brussels that um, is a bit separate from, from real Brussels. Um, this yeah, international um, sphere... Um, which is at the same time a great, um, a great environment to work in, um, uh, so international with, with people from all over Europe. So there's certainly a, um, uh, this, this Brussels bubble. So if we were to delve more into it, you know, the bubble exists, we've established that. Um, what are, you know, the main differences within, like, within the bubble between, like, the institutions and uh, the different organisms uh, in it and... Also, you know, what role does the EPC, which you're a part of, uh, play into that? Yes, um, there's, there's several actors. There's, of course, um, the institutional angle from all um, the European institutions here, here in Brussels, but also other international organizations um, uh, from the UN to, uh, to NATO. So you have these 
uh, international structures. But then, of course, um, you have a lot of um, corporate organizations, um, associations that are part of this Brussels bubble, a lot of NGOs and lobby organizations. And of course, um, and that is the sphere that my uh, my organization is part of, um, this, this research um, uh, yeah, dimension, um, think tank sectors, universities that are part of the Brussels and um, try to input in, into the process. Um, and that is exactly um, our role as a think tank to uh, promote the debates around European integration about certain topics um, connected to European integration and um, further the debate and um, constructively uh, input into the debate from from a research and from an independent uh, perspective. That's that's the role that we see ourselves at the EPC at um, from this independent perspective, um, and we try to influence policymaking um, in by several means um, by uh, um, having all kind of events at our premises to uh, just debate and just get in direct contact with policymakers and all kind of other stakeholders to discuss topic. And our goal is there really to, uh, to get as many uh, um, stakeholders uh, that are involved in the process into a room to get a full picture of, of uh, where we are in terms of um, yeah, a specific policy issue. Um, and then um, we try to influence the debate by, by own, um, uh, own research publications. And our goal there is really to give concrete recommendations to, uh, to policymakers how to move forward in specific policy fields. And that's, that's really the role that we see each other in, giving concrete recommendations um, to, uh, to policymaking. And that's probably also the main difference from think tanks to, uh, to other research organizations like universities, for example. All right. So what I get from this is that the main roles of the EPC are to um, basically give advice on policy, try to influence decisions. Um, What would you say is your role uh, within that? Yes, uh, definitely um, influence policymaking, also promote dialogue um, with several actors. So uh, these are the, the two main roles. My um, my personal role is I'm, I'm a policy analyst here uh, at the European Policy Center. Um, that means I am directly involved in these research projects, in organizing these events. And um, there, yeah, you, can, you cannot uh, compare one day with the other. Um, it's always a moving target. Um, you work in several research projects at the same time, um, organize uh, several events or in the process of organizing several events at the same time. Um, and you're basically trying to put yourself out there to be part of the deba- debate and uh, to be recognized and to be able to to uh, input your own ideas and your own thoughts in, into policymaking. That's the, the exciting part of the, uh, this process. And I'm personally a part of, um, of the European Politics and Institutions team here, one of the, the teams that we have at the EPC together with, with a lot of other teams. Um, and we uh, um, deal with the institutions, how do European institutions work together. Um, and we look especially on, on the broader debate on the future of Europe. Um, so where, 
where will um, uh, um, yeah, Europe develop in the, in the next years, especially in the context of the conference and the future of Europe, which is a big thing here at the moment. Um, so that is, that is our role uh, within EPC, but then we have a lot of other um, programs. We have a program dealing with migration, one on foreign policy, one on economics, one on social affairs. So we are one of the bigger think tanks here who try to uh, um, cover several topics, several um, yeah, issues that are part of, of the debate here in Brussels. I see. So... Thanks for that response. That's actually pretty insightful, I'd say. And I think we now kind of uh, understand the role of the EPC, your role within it. Um, I have another question for you. It's, you know, I'm sure you must come across challenges. I mean, the EPC probably does. Um, you know, what are those challenges? And most importantly, what are the what are some positive outcomes that the EPC has gotten? And what are some learning outcomes you've gotten Um working for the EPC? Um, there are several challenges. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is actually to, to be heard in, the, in this bubble because there's so many different actors, um, so many uh, different interests that are pushed from so many sides um, within the institutions, but especially outside. Um, so really uh, getting your your messages across is, is a huge challenge and it takes time. Um, it, is, it is not easy, but um, uh, once you establish yourself um, as a think tank, but also um, as, as, um, uh, as a researcher within the bubble, uh, things get easier because um, a lot of things happen with a direct exchange um, with policymakers. And that's the, the, the great thing about it. Um, when, you, when you really see that um, your opinions are taken seriously by um, members of the parliament or people in the commission. Um, so um, I think that is, that is one of the biggest challenges to, to be heard. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, so you told us about the EPC work and this is very interesting and it's also like we can understand it's very challenging to to make your voice actually be heard. Uh, just to jump uh, into uh, more practicalities. So uh, this is for us and this is also and especially for our listeners here today that might be interested in working in a think tank. So uh, what is the think tank life like? So uh, how does it look like or we can say sound like? It's definitely very, very international. So um, as this is uh, the, the Euro bubble, so to say, this is the uh, kind of capital of, of Europe, you come across um, not only with several actors, but also fr uh, with, with people from, uh, from all ac across the European Union. And that's uh, what makes work here um, exciting. So, so you'll see a mix of different cultures, uh, different positions that influence your work also here at the EPC. Um, we have, um, uh, yeah, colleagues from from all across Europe. We're a very international team, and also from out outside of Europe. Mm. Um, so um, this is this is really something that really defines our work and also enriches your work. And having these these kind of discussions um, uh, with with colleagues, but also with with other members of of the bubble, and that's really uh, what makes our exchanges there. Um, so fruitful. It's not always easy, and it's all, not always 
um, measurable because you you asked previously um, about concrete outcomes. It's 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 uh, not not always provable the outcomes that you have because a lot um, policymakers usually won't quote you um, if they have an idea from you. Um, so that is uh, the downside of the process. You won't get a lot of fame here, but you can definitely see um, if if you have an impact with your ideas and if they're they're taken up. Well, um, thank you so much, uh, Johannes, uh, for, for all of this. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Johannes Groebel. I hope I'm saying that right. Okay, okay great. Um, hope you guys uh, enjoyed this uh, interview with our very special guest uh, joining us here today in Brussels, Belgium, capital of the U European Union. Um, do you have anything else to, to tell us, uh, Johannes? No, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your stay here in, in Brussels and, and learn how the Brussels, Brussels bubble works uh, in practice. Thanks a lot, Johannes, to, to be here with us. And uh, yeah, all the best. Absolutely. Thanks. After hearing Johannes Grubel's conversation with us, we would like to give you the opportunity to win a special European theme prize that will be announced at the end of the whole show, series of six programs. Here we go. The first question is, are corporations also considered as a part of the Brussels bubble? Second question, what does the EPC stand for? Third question, name different free policy areas that EPC is involved in. Please let us know your answers at our email engagingbrusselsradio at gmail.com or send us a DM through our social media webpage, which is Brussels underscore insider. And now for the last time, you can hear all of our free questions that will enable you to win the special prize. Here we go. The first question is, are corporations also considered as a part of the Brussels bubble? Second question, what does the EPC stand for? Third questions. Name three different policy areas that EPC is involved in. If you tuned in carefully to our interview with Johannes, you should know all the answers for those questions. Please let us know your answers at our email, engagingbrusselsradio at gmail.com, or send us a DM for our social media webpage, which is Brussels underscore insider, no caps, all attached. Well, that was a pretty uh, insightful talk, guys, um, that we just had uh, with uh, with Johannes Gerbel. Um, I don't know what you guys thought, but but that's the fun part about being in uh, Brussels for our listeners out there. It's just all the all the super people you get to meet working inside and outside the EU. Um, you know, talking about people we met inside the EU. Uh, I remember we were at a pub uh, the other day and we met with uh, MEP uh, Cole Markey. Uh, who works for the group of uh, the European People's Party? He's he's basically a Finnegal part, like part of the Finnegal Party in Ireland. Uh, but you'll have the the chance to listen to his insights about uh, transparency through our YouTube channel for our listeners out there. So please stay tuned on our social media and uh, YouTube channels. But yeah, what what did you guys think? Uh, I think it was really interesting to listen to Colm Markey. He was chatting to us about his day-to-day -day activities in the group of European People's Party. For instance, um, on Tuesday, he was interviewed by a French journalist and also by an American journalist at the same day. Uh, also, he had a meeting concerning fisheries uh, with the UK and he told us that Brexit has made the matters really difficult um, and it's a way more complicated and longer process now. 
At the end of our talk, we talked about him about our first episodes of the show, the coffee, and uh, also asked him about his insights. And uh, he was hopeful and positive that it's going to bring a lot of impact and the future relevance of the conference and uh, recommendations that will be drafted. And, and I thought that was actually pretty nice since uh, with all the people we met, we didn't always have um, you know, a positive insight necessarily on coffee. Some people were much more positive on it. Uh, and I think most of us are hopeful that you know, it had a positive impact. But I guess we'll see in the future, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. But overall, it was very interesting to have a peek in the life of a very busy MEP who was kind enough to share his day with us. Like, it was very, very, like, we were lucky, guys, honestly. You know what? Definitely. Um, it's, it's, it was a great, you know, great opportunity to meet him. And I think, you know, for the listeners that we have out there, um, it's not that difficult or as difficult as you might think it is to meet your representatives and you should really go out there and try to contact them a lot of them you know you'll find you'll definitely find their information like email instagram that sort of stuff online uh and and feel free to contact them because i think you know it's when we have voices from from citizens that i mean the whole process of democracy really takes place but yeah overall a pretty pretty interesting talk and it really give us uh, a good insight on you know what MEPs do, uh, what he does as well, and uh, and yeah, um, I look forward to also you know watching uh, um, the YouTube episode um, where I believe he'll be interviewed. Yeah. That's very true, Sabri. Uh, I think this also reminds us how important it is to vote for our uh, MEPs and people we, we like because we really see them representing our ideas, our values. So it's really important that we all do that. Yeah, we, re we really got to touch firsthand uh, what uh, Russell's life uh, looked like. And we definitely popped that bubble for a second. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Um, I, I remember the, the, um, the, um, the social media team, which is one of our teams here. So we're kind of divided into multiple teams for the project. We're the radio show team. We have a social media team. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, the social media team, they've been recording every part of our uh, crazy life from Brussels week. You can check on our Instagram page, which is uh, Brussels uh, underscore insider, I'm pretty sure. Uh, all attached, no caps. Um, but yeah, I guess um, let's move on uh, to our segment with Roma. Exactly. Also, don't forget about the other episode. The next episodes will also touch on other teams that have taken part in this project, such as the transparency team and also participation and lobbying, as they have also interviewed very interesting people that are involved directly in the policy making processes. Let's go, guys. In this segment, we are talking to our teammates about their experience in working with the documentaries for the YouTube channel and also with the social media team. Here I have Moira with me and we are with the transparency team. So Moira, how was your overall experience in networking? Um, it was very good. Um, there was a team of four of us. So there was myself, Ronan, Michael and Jan. Um, Ronan did most of the reaching out for the networking and connecting with people. So when I speak, a lot of it is going to be on behalf of what Ronan did. So we met um, three people. Well, we met two people actually at the beginning. So we've met um, Francis Fitzgerald's parliamentary assistant, who is called Una Clark. And um, we also met um, MEP Colin Markey. 
Um, and so those are the two people that we spent the most amount of time reaching out to to try and organize everything. Um, so those are, it was mainly through emails and I think Ronan himself had met um, Francis Fitzgerald at a conference before. So that's how he was able to kind of form a connection and, and speak to her. Um, and then for Colin Markey, he's an MEP. So he just emailed him directly um, following an address on the, his webpage. And that was how he managed to get that interview sorted out. What do you think was the most challenging part of preparing the YouTube episode? Um, there's a lot of coordination, so we had to figure out who we wanted to speak to specifically to get views on transparency, and then we had to figure out how we were going to coordinate it around the schedule we already had built in to go to Brussels. Um, so it was just trying to align their schedules because they were very busy, so it's hard to get them at a time that we're also free. Um, and that was, and then another part was just kind of. It's quite informal, um, so I mean, we met um, Una Clark in a bar, so it was trying to work out where we were actually going to meet people and how we were going to sort out recording it, and then how could we get it to fit into a short segment, I would say. It was probably the most challenging. Thank you. Sounds like really challenging, but also really rewarding environment, so thank you for, for your answer, Moira. No problem. You're welcome. We are going to talk to our teammates from the participation team about their experience in working with the documentaries for the YouTube channel. Now, welcome Henning. What was the main difficulty in reaching out to your guests for your channel? So in general, it was actually easier than we thought in the beginning. All these people in Brussels seem so distant and far away, but actually it was easier to get kind of to get a contact going, but the main problem might be that just to get a personal email address actually. So sometimes you get these info at addresses and it's just so hard to get a response there because there's probably hundreds of emails getting in. So biggest advice would probably be to just try to talk to people, maybe even call someone that turned out very well and then get a personal email address and work on with that because then you might actually get an answer. Thank you so much for that. Now we can see networking is the most essential thing every time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. In this part, we'll be talking to the team focusing on lobbying and their experience in making the YouTube episode. Uh, hello, Oliver. What was the main difficulty in reaching out to your guest for the YouTube episode? Uh, for us, it was rather difficult because lobbying is a more sensitive topic. So many people do not like to admit that they work in lobbying but on the other hand who was very willing to talk to us were uh, MEPs actually they were very easy to reach out the difficulty there was to actually schedule a meeting so we had meetings scheduled for this week in Brussels but they all were rescheduled for next week now because the MEPs have a busy schedule so we're going to meet them yeah we have to reschedule Thank you for shedding a little light into how the lobbying processes work in the EU. Thank you so much, Oliver. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Here we are today with the social media team for by Anne, Anna and Nola. Thank you girls for being here. And my question for you is, how does it feel to be part of the behind the scenes team and be following every step of the other teams, finding the right timing for the perfect shots? Hi Roma, actually it's pretty fine to be the social media team as everybody is working so well and so nicely. So I think we all have fun to, to be the social media team. It's nice to follow everyone around because everyone is focusing on finding different things and running after people to interview and it's also nice to see how everyone is de developing new skills that are 
very useful for our future careers. And I mean, from our side, it's really nice to also engage with social media and find how to expand our follower base and also learn new things on that side. It's also really cool because we get to see like uh, first shots of some of the projects. We get to see the progression of every group, what they're doing, who they're meeting. Uh, it's also nice to be thinking about like what we're going to film, to be running around to find the perfect shot. Um, basically, we're also learning a lot. We both like none of us had never really done this before. So we're starting something new and it's new skills to add to our basket. <laughs> Thank you, girls, for giving our listeners a peek into the European influencing. And thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Well, that's all for today, folks. I'd like to thank you all for joining us today. This has been a successful continuation to our Brussels Insider Radio Show. Thanks to our special guest, Johannes Gruebel, who we had the utmost pleasure of having... Uh, today with us on our show. I'd like to give special thanks to our radio show team, Vicky Gonzalez-Poso, Marta Grosso, and Roma Fleischer, who have worked hard to bring you this show today. Thanks to all of them for being the amazing radio show team members that they are. I'd also like to give thanks to our behind-the-scenes class who helped us in advertising the show, and to our professor, James Cross. Finally, I'd get, like to give special thanks to my own YesFam Radio Show team and the Brussels Insider Podcast team of 2021, whose two shows greatly inspire us in the overall structure of the show. And thank you, you amazing audience, for being here along the way and being the heart of this show. Be sure to check us out on Instagrams at Brussels underscore insider, all caps. Uh, no, sorry. All attached, no caps. That's Brussels underscore insider, all attached, no caps, where you can ask questions you'd like us to ask on our next shows, participate in polls to be guests on our show, follow us during this trip right now in Brussels, and of course, it would mean a lot to see your support. I sincerely hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope to see you next time. We hope we've brought back the U and EU. See you next week.